I know we have some visitors with us this morning, just to kind of keep everyone up to speed. Uh, we are in the process of uh, looking for elders for the congregation here, and so we took up a class um, format here starting about three weeks ago. This is actually class number four, and uh, by the time we get to the month of May, we'll start uh, preaching some sermons on the topic as well, and then uh, come the first week of June, uh, begin an appointment process. And so the, some of the things that we have gone through over the past couple of weeks is we've talked a lot about a church history, you know, what happened in church history when uh, people veered away from the New Testament pattern of church organization. Uh, we've looked at what God revealed to us as that, um, that heavenly plan of church organization, of course, elders and deacons. And uh, we, we've talked about what those words mean, right? Uh, an elder, a bishop, overseer, shepherd, pastor. And we've talked about the plurality, the importance of being autonomous, and the male leadership role. Um, We've also talked about the responsibilities of elders. And again, think of a shepherd uh, overseeing his flock. You know, it's interesting uh, when you think about that, right? That God used the description of a shepherd as a an example of how he wants the leadership of his church to look at, right? Not a king. Not a sovereign ruler, but a shepherd. And in the first century, were shepherds looked at as, uh, you know, people of importance, well-respected people? They weren't, were they? Um, shepherds were despised. But he took that imagery of a shepherd and made uh, those connections to us through the scripture of how uh, the eldership is to oversee. Um, we talked last week about... The, the, the appointment process and how the New Testament is silent on that, except for those two verses. We studied it in detail, uh, Acts 14, verse 23, where Paul and Barnabas went around appointing elders in uh, every city. And then Titus chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul tells Titus to set in order the things that are lacking and appoint uh, elders. And so uh, we talked about how the, the congregation here is going to take part in that congregational effort, wide effort to uh, appoint elders, to find elders. And so, uh, as we begin the next couple of classes, I, I was thinking that maybe we'd be able to get this in two classes, but uh, it's probably looking like more like three, and I don't even know if we're going to get to any of the qualifications today, but we'll uh, begin by um, just introducing this idea. Uh, I have a book in my office called Headed to the Office, and this is based on the Lads to Leaders program. Glenn, Brother Glenn Colley wrote this book. It's been a very... Um, important book in my life, maybe one of the first books that I picked up and read as a very young Christian. And the tagline of this book talks about how teens become real men and elders in the church. And the premise of this book is uh, it's for younger men to teach them about the qualities of being an elder, you know, right then and there. And now, obviously, there are some qualities of being an elder, um, being the husband of one wife or... um, <clears throat> or having children that, you know, that's not going to affect a child, right? Because that's not that time period for them. But as we go through these qualifications that, the, that, that God's going to lay out for us of what an elder looks like, you know, these are things that we're going to point out that all Christians, uh, especially these characteristics about their character, uh, that all Christians should implement in their lives. Um, and so again, th- this book, you know, it talks about you know, don't just wait until there's a need, right? Don't just wait until a congregation needs elders, but
But start training the men, or the, the younger men, the, the boys, the younger men, start training them now so that when that day comes, you know, hopefully what we're going to do is uh, have elders here uh, by, the end of the, or by the middle of the summer and then also have a process to, um, to have elders uh, in training, right? To have men to be ready to step into that eldership uh, when the time comes. And again, even if um, a young man uh, never aspires to, to be an elder or never becomes an elder, uh, again, these qualifications that we're going to look at are listed elsewhere within Scripture, right? We are all supposed to be hospitable. We are all supposed to not be lovers of money. We're all supposed to not be quick-tempered. And again, we'll notice these here in a moment. So why? Why did God leave these uh, why did he give us these qualifications, th- these lists of qualities that he wants to see in his leaders? <coughs> you think God knows best? Uh, God knows best, doesn't he? And so that's why he's leaving it uh, in his word for us to, to study and to, uh, again, to read and to use those um, Again, if we think about if we go back to the 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 uh, you know the history of uh, elderships and when man took it upon themselves to um, do what they wanted to do, right? Uh, again, we we think of you know if 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 we were in charge of elders, you know, if the Bible simply said we want elders uh, in every church, but we're not, but maybe God didn't leave us those qualifications. Uh, and we were just left to choose on our own. Uh, do you think chaos would maybe ensue? Uh, because, you know, we can see that in our own political system today, can't we? That uh, it's popularity contests. It's, uh, you know, there's bribery. Um, and so God has laid out, again, he has laid out in, in his word what type of men that he wants to lead his church. So who ultimately decides if one is qualified for the eldership? I wish I had that passage. Sorry? Someone? Okay, yeah. I, I, I wish I had that passage put up on the board for us. But going back to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, and again, this is uh, one of those scriptures that we've read a couple of times uh, in this class. Again, Paul has brought the elders from Ephesus to him. Uh, he says here in verse 28 of chapter 20 of Acts, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So again, um, when we talk about these qualities, these qualifications, again, they are truly God given qualifications, right? These aren't our opinions as to who would make a good elder, but these come from the Holy Spirit. And their accounting, uh, we've talked about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. We've talked about that verse quite a bit. Uh, these men are going to have to give an accounting to God uh, who are um, you know, put into that role. And, and just like, you know, again, I know we're doing a lot of review this, this morning, but we looked at Acts chapter 6 last week too, didn't we? Uh, uh, when those, um, the apostles chose those seven men to become a sort of, you know, it doesn't say they became deacons, but it's kind of uh, looks, looks to be like what they were doing, assigning them work to be done uh, within the church. And it talks about how the congregation 
uh, agreed and said, yep, these are, these are the men that uh, we, we choose to do these things. And so there are many different ways that we can tackle this this morning, the next couple of days. You know, we could go through 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 and just, you know, look at each word. Uh, sometimes uh, what will be done is, you know, we'll go through the, the positive aspects, you know, that an elder should be this way, and then go through the negative aspects, uh, but he's not to be this way. But the way that I've chosen to do it is we're going to break it down into um, these four categories. And so I handed out, hopefully everyone got one of these sheets, these blue sheets. Uh, we're going to be using these over the next, again, two to three weeks. Uh, uh, the front page, again, is just the, the, the scriptures, First Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And then as you go to, I guess, pages 2, 3, and 4, uh, you'll notice that all of the qualifications will be lined out, uh, how we will go in that order. And, um, and they're broken out in these four different categories. And so just let me mention these. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is his reputation, character, and righteous behavior. And again, this is going to be the longest category. Again, we probably won't get through it today. Uh, but uh, we're going to go through these uh, each word. Just kind of notice uh, some of them are going to sound pretty similar. Uh, we'll want to, you know, use a couple of different translations just so that we can get the, the understanding uh, of what these words mean. Uh, then we'll go to the second group, uh, his understanding of the word of God. Okay, and then, uh, and then the third uh, category, category of qualifications, we'll look at his marriage and family background that God expects for an elder to have. And then finally, his experience as a Christian. And that's just one point. And again, that'll be the last one. And so if you have these, you'll also notice that there's a white piece of paper at the very end. And this is just going to summarize all of those qualifications into one sheet. And it also gives you the scripture reference. And so um, as you begin thinking about uh, in, uh, men who uh, would be qualified for this position, you know, this is just kind of a, a sheet for you. You know, to just uh, maybe jot a name down or something like that and go through the list of qualifications and check them off and say, okay, well, he's above reproach, he's temperate, he's prudent and such and so forth. So that's for you uh, to use, but uh, I think it would be handy uh, if you bring these back for the next couple of classes. I, I tried to give you enough space in between the qualifications if you want to take notes. And so we will, uh, again, we will begin here with that this morning. But again, before we jump into the qualifications, I want to look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Uh, the New American Standard reads, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Or the New King James uh, says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. So I just wanted to talk about this verse uh, before we uh, move on into the qualifications of the elders. You know, some, some, some look at this as, you know, the first qualification of an elder, right? He has to aspire. He has to desire the office, the work. Um, let's make a couple of points. Um, this, this word aspire, desire, it means to reach after something, right? So you take a look at an apple tree and there's an apple 
but you really want the, the, app, the nicer looking apple that's a little bit further up there, so you aspire to get it. You desire to you know, grab that apple. Right? That, that's what we're talking about here. The, if any man desires the office of an overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. We think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did Jesus uh, desire, desire what was about to endure? He didn't, did he? But did he do it? He did. Uh, he, loved, he loves his father. He loved the church. And so he did it. Right? He went to the cross. And, you know, I just want to make this point that I don't believe that this is a qualification of an elder, but more of a clarification of an elder, right? If any man aspires to be, uh, aspires to the office of the overseer, hey, it's, it's a fine work to do so, right? It's a fine work he desires to do. Um, we can't force, we can't force any, anyone into this position, right? Um, Peter mentions that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Um, let's, let's just read that real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5, again, Hopefully you're very familiar with these passages because we've, we've talked about these quite a bit. But 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, um, you know, he, he writes here, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, but, uh, but not, under consul- excuse me, not <coughs> under compulsion, but voluntar- voluntarily according to the will of God. Right? The, A man is not qualified to do the work if he doesn't desire that work. Um, he might meet all the qualifications uh, that we're going to study in the next couple of weeks. But ultimately, if he does not desire it, right, well, we can't force, uh, we can't um, compulse. Oh, sorry. I thought I had a hand raised. Uh, we can't force him into that position, right? And so, um, but this is what I want to say about that. If a man is qualified and, uh, you know, the church looks to him to be uh, an elder, right? They want to see him there. You know, he ought to think about that, right? He ought to think about that. He ought to pray about that. Um, Think about the parable of the talents, right? Um, uh, About the the one-talent man, the three-talent man, the five-talent man. If God has blessed you uh, with those talents, uh, but... We're not using them, or he's not using them. Right? Doesn't uh, that parable uh, say something to the effect of uh, it's not going to be good right? if he's going to take that talent and bury it in the sand? So it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. And that's sort of a paradoxical statement because... Uh, he is to desire it, but he's also not to desire it, right? Um, we can have uh, bad motives when it comes to uh, the eldership. You know, there, there may be those who uh, demand to be in it. Uh, they want to be in it for control or power or to have authority. Maybe there's an agenda uh, that they have, and, and that ought to raise, you know, some flags with us uh, in, in that respect. Um, but a lot of men are going to, um, you know, this is what Brother Jack Hall uh, told me uh, a couple months ago. A lot of men are going to show sort of this, what he referred to as false modesty, right? You may go up to them and say, listen, I think you would make a great elder for this congregation. 
And the humility in them would probably say, uh, you know, I, I just don't know, right? Uh, they, don't, uh, they don't want to be prideful and say, yeah, I agree with you, right? But uh, on, the, on the outside, they might say something to the effect of, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's nice that, that you think of me that way. And so, uh, you know, you might have to deal with that uh, when, uh, you know, you go to someone and say, hey, I think you might be a, you'd make a great elder here. And at first, you know, it might uh, take them aback a little bit, right? At first they might um, say, no, no, not, that's not for me. But um, we see those qualities in him, right? And so... Um, we, we want to encourage them to do the work. And again, make sure you see that very, the very last line of that verse. It's a fine work he desires to do. Right? That, that's important that we understand that the eldership is a work, isn't it? It's, it's not an honor. It's not, uh, I mean, it is an honor, but it's not simply just an honor, right? To, to uh, have your name printed in the bulletin as you know, the elders of this congregation, but it is a work, and there's going to be work to be done. Why don't many aspire to the work today? Let me ask that. Why don't many aspire to the work today? Times are difficult. Okay, so times are more difficult today. It's a thankless work, isn't it? It's a thankless work, and um, a lot of men don't want to aspire to that. Uh, can we hamper that as well? Um, I'm just trying to think of a good example, but you know, let's say uh, the let, let's say that there was an eldership here, and the eldership said, you know, the the June church eat church is being canceled. All right, so we get into the car as a family, and we're driving home, and we say. And, you know, the mom and dad are talking back to one another. I just can't believe what they did. I, we, we love Churchy Church, and they canceled Churchy Church. What are they thinking? Um, do you think that might have a negative aspect on your children who might be in the back seat listening to that? that? That we're talking bad about the elders of a congregation? And when they hear that, are they going to want to aspire to that position one day? No. And, and so... Um, <laughs> That's going to be our part, right, to, uh, to you know, promote these men in, in front of our families, to uh, make sure that we are submissive to them, as the scriptures say, that we talk positively about them, that we encourage them. Again, it's a thankless work. Uh, again, many don't understand the importance of this work until it's too late. Uh, think of, um, you know, a sermon on the qualification of elders. When do we normally preach a lesson on the qualification of elders? Yeah, when we're thinking about uh, having uh, or installing elders or installing new elders, right? And so there might be a period of time, uh, five, ten years or so, where maybe the eldership doesn't change or 
or whatever, and we're not preaching on that message. Uh, we're not preaching. Yeah, Steve. Um, I was just going to mention that um, if, if, if we blamed ourselves for saying something that could hinder young or youth from wanting to become elders, we have to consider that um, eldership is, if it's deemed as to be likened to a shepherd, being a shepherd within the family was a responsibility. It wasn't a choice. It was something to be done. And so whether or not you wanted to do it or not, it was something to be accomplished for the sake of maintaining and managing the assets of that family. So I would say that, yeah, we could discourage people from, from doing that, but that temporary discouragement needs to be reinforced with a sense of responsibility to the church. Because if you don't instill a sense of responsibility to the church, the church will fail all without elders, let alone even if you did have elders. Yeah. Well, those, that's, yeah, that's very sobering truth. Very, very good. Um, so, so, yes, this would be a thankless work. Uh, it is a work. There's importance in this work. And just one last point that I just wanted to make. Um, again, what in that passage, Hebrews 13, verse 17, um, if you recall, again, what, what were the role of the elders t- uh, to do? They were to watch over what? Our souls, right. To watch over our souls. Do we sometimes lose uh, interest or, or um, truly under, maybe do we truly understand the importance of souls? Not as much as we should. Yeah, Susan. I was just, I was thinking about that verse that makes reference to the keep watch for our souls. And you're asking why some people don't want to do that. It's a huge responsibility. And sometimes, um, sometimes elders or elderships can lose focus that that's their responsibility. And that they are going to be held to a higher standard. And that's a little scary. Sure. Um, because they are tasked with keeping watch for our souls. We're going to have to give an answer for that. And so the weight of that responsibility um, might make someone hesitant to want to fulfill that position. Yep, definitely, definitely. So (laughs) I keep looking at the clock. Because uh, I know I'm running uh, quickly out of time. But I guess let's just jump right in um, to our first one. Uh, again, uh, we aren't going in order necessarily in, the, uh, in order for, in First Timothy or Titus. Uh, but we will, again, we're going to stick to the uh, reputation, character, and righteous behavior. And there's, there's my five-minute bell. And so uh, maybe we'll get through one or two of these. But uh, let's, let's talk about the first one. So above reproach. And so uh, hopefully your sheet will let you know, you know where you can find that in the scriptures. 1 Timothy 3 verse 2, uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. And again, I use the, I use the New American Standard Bible. Uh, I know many of you may use the New King James or the King James or the ESV. And so I'll try to do my best to kind of give us a general uh, idea of you know, what words are being used in these verses. But uh, my, my Bible says he must be above reproach. Now, yours might say blameless, right? above reproach, or a blameless uh, man. And the idea here is, is you know, he's unimpeachable. 
Right? He's, in, he's an unimpeachable man. Now, when we hear the word blameless or above reproach, what do we think? Perfect, right. We think that this man has to be perfect. He has to be sinless. Now, is that the idea here? No, and uh, we understand why, right? We all sin, we all fall short. And again, we can look at many different examples uh, in the scriptures. We can go and look at Job. Uh, How is Job described in the very first chapter of his book? Blameless, right? Blameless. Yeah, uh, blameless. Um, Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 6, talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, the mothers of John the Baptist. You know, how, do, how does Luke um, describe those two individuals? Let's just go there real quick. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. They are both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Right? So these two individuals are said to be blameless. But again, we're not talking about sinless perfection. But we are talking, uh, the idea is above, that they rise above criticism. Right? Um, this is a person that, you know, if a stranger came in uh, to our auditorium and, you know, and... <laughs> trying to make sure I don't use anybody's real name, but, um, you know, let's say Frank's sitting right here, right? And Frank may be a, a person who's considered for uh, the eldership, and somebody comes in and says, well, Frank is a liar and a cheater. Well, if, if he's above reproach, if he's a blameless man, we're, we're not going to take that man's word for it, are we? Uh, because nothing's going to stick. Those things aren't going to stick. Uh, they... They can't lay hold of, the words that he used can't lay hold of this man because he's blameless. He's above reproach. Our first thoughts are, no, not Frank. Yeah, Ricky. You know, what people forget is once someone, if everybody's sin. If you've sinned and you've asked for forgiveness and God has given, forgave you of it, it should be forgotten just like God does. But we as humans have a tendency to want to remember what they did 20 years ago or something. And that should never be took into account if they if they have truly asked for forgiveness. Of right. And that's where we run into a problem, I think, a lot of times. Yep. Um, it kind of parallel to my lesson this morning, we were talking about judging, right? Uh, for God to lay out these qualifications for a congregation to read and to study, uh, are we going to have to do a little bit of judging on our end of uh, of, of these men like Frank and such. I, sorry. <laughs> this, the, righteous judgment. Righteous judgment, right. Which we're commanded to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have to make some judgments when, uh, when we uh, you know, take our list, right? And we say, okay, well, I, this man is, you know, he's hospitable. He's, uh, he's not pugnacious. He's gentle, right? We're, we're, we're making judgments, aren't we? But uh, as Jason pointed out, these are, these are righteous judgments. And these are judgments that God, God has called us uh, to make. And so... Um, and if a lot of those are repentance, if you truly understand repentance, that's, you're changing yourself. You're striving not to do that again. Yep. Just because you said, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness, you haven't made that change then are you truly repentant of it? Yeah. And, you struggle. I, you know, I don't want to struggle. 
Right. And that's kind of Ricky, I guess, was looking at my notes because that was my next point about this verse is that, you know, we're all going to make mistakes, right? And so uh, are, have we truly repented? Yes. Um, to your point, Job is called blameless. But what did his friends do to him when he was um, at, at his lowest? They, they accused him. Uh. So um, someone can be blameless, and then they are on the side of God, and people can misjudge them and accuse them of things. So to, to the point you were making a while ago, Yep, exactly, yeah. So Job, Job was a, a blameless individual, but yet we, we know that he, we, he did sin, right? And so we got through one qualification. Uh, hopefully this isn't going to be a, um, a continuation over the next couple of classes. Uh, we'll, we'll get through these, I promise. Uh, but appreciate everyone's attendance this morning. Again, um, if you haven't gra- grabbed one of those sheets, grab one on your way out, and I'll make sure to print some more. And Brother Danny's got our closing prayer for us.